Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. I'm your host, Alex Raquette. This podcast mission statement is real life stories, real motivations to inspire all generations. We have a great story for you today. He's a friend of mine. His name is Chris McCoy. He's going to share his real life experience with sled hockey and track and how he used his challenge to overcome them. He's going to talk about his rise to the challenge. We would like to start off each episode with our quick fire challenge. These quick fire challenges are quotes that you can use in your life that can inspire you to overcome your challenges and rise up to them. So this week's quote is, don't wait for opportunity, create it. When listening to Chris' story, think about this quote. Think about what opportunities did he do that he created? Like how did he get to the next level? Challenge yourself also with this quote by thinking about what opportunities would you like to create in the future? I know we're going through a pandemic right now, but think about, start planning. Think about what are you going to do when you're able to get back out there into the real, into the world. Please remember to follow, follow and subscribe to the channel. All my links are listed below in the description. And also please follow me on social media to let me know about your rise to the challenge. Now sit back and relax and learn about Chris McCoy's Rise to the Challenge. Thank you for joining the Rise to the Challenge podcast today. Please welcome my guest at this time, Chris McCoy. How are you doing, Chris? Doing great. How about yourself? I am hanging in there trying to just stay positive. That's the whole point of this podcast is just get motivated and stay positive. So we have met a few times. Uh, we went to go to the same school where I graduated there, same fraternity and everything. But I hear about your story and I feel that a lot of people can be motivated by it, that you have the story and I wanted to be able to share it with all my listeners. So let's just get on to it. What were you involved with as a child? Um, as a child, you know, like the younger years, I really wasn't involved in too much. Uh, obviously, I was born with a disability called spina bifida, so I spent a lot of my time in and out of the hospital with surgeries and stuff like that. I think in my in total, I've had about 13 surgeries in my life. I haven't had one in about seven years, so I had a lot in that really short period of time, so I wasn't involved in too much. Uh, I was homeschooled for a long time, uh, so I did all that. Um, I really didn't get involved in like sports or activities and stuff like that until about my freshman year of high school. So that was uh, in high school. I ended up finding sled hockey, which then led to track and a uh, bunch of fun stuff like that. So when you got the surgeries, did you have to go through a lot of rehab, physical therapy? What was kind of that process to get oh, yeah. get you back to I, the normal level? Yeah, I spent a lot of time in uh, in PT. You know, usually most of my surgeries were they weren't super major, but they were pretty big surgeries. So I would spend about a week in the hospital after uh, the surgery, and I would have about Anywhere from two to six months of recovery time trying to get back to full strength uh, after each surgery. So going through the surgery and the condition, did it have a lot of effects mentally on you? Like self-confidence um, was low or were you able to kind of keep that behind you and get meeting people, becoming friends with people and just try to live a normal childhood? Yeah, for the most part, like you said, I... 
I usually took it in stride for the most part. I tried to, you know, keep my self-confidence up. But, you know, there were times when, you know, you would ask the, oh, what was me questions? Why does it always have to happen to me and stuff like that? But after a while, you know, I went, ended up going to public high school, found a good group of friends, and then haven't looked back since. Uh, my, my self-confidence has been pretty high here lately. You just got to look at it as uh, don't matter what anybody else thinks as long as you're happy with yourself and stuff like that and the people around you that, uh, you know, that makes the big difference. So definitely keeping the positive around you positive people positive thoughts positive like actions that kept you going yeah absolutely so did anyone like motivate you as a child or did you have any inspirations like we all had that question when we were younger oh what's our dream job what do we want to gr do when we grow up so what were those answers for you oh yeah i definitely had people who inspired me obviously you know the common answer is your parents you know i like my family's always been a big supporter of mine and uh, I do everything because of them but I also had some really close friends that I grew up with like my uh my best friend uh Tyler he's been there for me since day one he's been you know always been my big supporter uh, I would say for inspiration I always look to uh guys in big sports like one of my favorite hockey players was David Backus and I always wanted to be just like him when I was my younger days I would always you know I'll be outside playing in the driveway you know playing as him scoring the game winning goal for the win the Stanley Cup and stuff like that you know it's, it's like that's how most kids are they have that one athlete that they really look up to and uh as for dream job I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster but that has since changed as I have now changed my major to exercise science I really looking to become a some type of strength and conditioning coach somewhere in some sport field but we'll, we'll see where that goes so going back to David Backus um what about him attracted you to like he inspires me and what like you practiced taking penalty or the shots outside acting like you're winning the stanley cup what about him as a person made you motivated by him um he was always a great guy i've seen him multiple times he would occasionally come into the hospital or children's hospital uh, i saw him a few times and then he would come and talk to the kids and stuff like that he was just an extremely nice guy was always there for the city uh, he was big involved into a lot of things uh, just around, and he was, you know, a very physical player on the ice, which is, you know, my favorite part about hockey is the physicality. He was the captain of the Blues team from up until 2014, I believe, and he just was uh, an all-around great guy, great player on the ice, and, uh, you know, just liked him. <laughs> so I, I can totally relate to that. Uh, I'm a type 1 diabetic, and when I went into the hospital, I had a spinal condition where we had to I was in the hospital for a week and I kind of always look at those athletes and how any situation they went through they're always getting back up so especially with hockey players when they get hit to the ice they're always getting back up and you kind of have to keep that mindset where nothing's the end there's always way to fight back for things and I think your example with David is a perfect example of how he kind of made that impact in your life when he visited the hospitals and he did those charity work and kind of gets me like what, what I do with philanthropy or what I did with philanthropy kind of like makes me do what I want to do. Absolutely. So, so you said you got into track. How did you get into track? Uh, I actually got into track because uh, the owner of DASA, the Disabled Athlete Sports Association, which is what I play hockey through, needed uh, high school wheelchair track athletes to try to grow the sport in high schools and get it to where, you know, it's a normal every 
event thing during high school track meets. So she got me in there. I hated it at first. You know, I was not a fan. Uh, the first time I sat in a chair, I fell over backwards and just thought it was awful. But after a few practices with it, I ended up getting the hang of it. And I actually really enjoyed it there during my high school years. It really helped me meet new friends and, uh, you know, stay physically fit for hockey season. And eventually I got pretty decent at the uh, at track, I think. Did you ever watch track before you got into it? Um, not really. I mean, every now and then I would watch the Olympics. I mean, everyone knows who Usain Bolt is. So obviously, you know, during come around Summer Olympics, I'd watch a 100-meter dash with and watch Usain just run ridiculously fast and win gold medals. But other than that, I really didn't watch too much track growing up. I mean, it would take me probably like three times the amount of he gets to 100 meters before I would even end up finishing the 100 meters. I mean, I'm that <laughs> slow. <laughs> so what events were you in? Um, I ran pretty much everything. I was predominantly a sprinter, though. I loved the short distance races from the 100 meter, 200, 400 meter, but uh, I also ran some longer distance with 800 in a mile. Wow. I mean, and this was all in the wheelchair or? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's probably a bunch of arm training, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Lots of arm and back. So was the training easy or tough for you or you kind of just worked up to it or got better just trying to prove yourself? Um, it was tough from the very beginning. I, high school uh, practices weren't too terrible because, you know, it's kind of difficult for a normal high school track coach to know what's going on when you're teaching a guy who only uses his arms instead of legs. Uh, so he didn't really know how to work with me. He did the best he could. And he did do a good job of getting me to a decent uh, – level but I also had a trainer there for a short while uh, called Steve Bunn he actually used to be a Kansas City Chiefs football player um, he's helped train multiple wheelchair track athletes uh, he actually trained a woman named Carrie Morgan who's won I believe three gold medals in Paralympic track um, so he really helped me get it to the next level and uh, get me where I need to be he had me running in uh, pretty well there during uh, national events and stuff like that. But it was uh, training was not a very enjoyable time. Never was a big fan of the practices. So how did you stay focused? So when like the track meet was happening, how did you keep your mind focused to get through the race and not block everything outside? Uh, for me, it's a real big pride thing. I take a lot of pride in everything that I do. Um, obviously, everybody wants to win. So uh, I always looked at the, the goal that I wanted to be the, the best person there and show out in front of everybody and, you know, make a big statement for not only myself but for the people around me that no matter what your disability is or your level of ability that you can go out there and, you know, win big races and, you know, show up for, for everybody. Did you win any championships? Um, I never won any national. I did finish a top three, so I have won a few bronze medals. At national events, I was actually ranked in the top 80 in the world for the 100 meter for a period of time. But I also, at the state level, I won 10 state championships in Missouri High School track. Were they all in one season or through your track career? Uh, they were spread out over my three years. I haven't. I only lost one race in my high school track career. Have you ever thought of, or looked it up to see if anyone has beaten your records? I have not done so yet, actually. I've, uh, I'd be quite interested because I know the Missouri has some real good young athletes that are coming up out of the uh, in the high school world right now. So I'd be I'd be interested to see. I don't think they'll, they'll last for too awful long with these, uh, these great athletes coming up. So transitioning into sled hockey, 
was this have you did you get into sled hockey before trek or was this like the next st stage in your career was sled hockey um i actually got into sled hockey first it was only about a year uh before trek um i found hockey when i was a freshman in high school um i wasn't necessarily in public school yet i was still uh, being homeschooled uh I knew about sled hockey for a while. I was introduced to it when I was about the age of eight. Um, my parents got me out and tried the sport. I just wasn't a fan of it. You know, it wasn't for me, but I, uh, I retried it when I was about 13. Absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, grinded, worked as hard as I could to get up to where I was playing on the adult uh, travel team. I made that in about a year. So then I started traveling with the, uh, the adult team when I was a uh, sophomore in high school. So it was, uh, hockey was my first love and it's, uh, it's still, Still keep me going. In the adult league, is that the DASA Blues? Yes, it's the DASA Blues. Okay, so we actually know someone who uh, is also on that team, Josh Pauls. Um, Josh is a very good friend of mine and kind of a mentor for me. So when I saw you were joining Fidel and that you guys knew each other, I think it was pretty cool. Um, did Josh have any help with you or did he help train you at all um during your time with the dasa blues team oh yeah josh has been a a huge mentor in my life uh, when it comes to the sport uh he he was a guy that kind of took me under his wing there for a short period for a period of time he still does to this day we still have one-on-one -on -one practices all the time he's uh he's really helped me grow into the player that i am today he's taught me the ropes if i make a mistake he explains it in detail of what i'm doing wrong and how to fix it and he's really helped me get to the top level of my game, and he's I'm glad to call him one of my best friends that I know. So what is your goal, next goal with the local team? Local team, obviously, is doing the national championship. We've gotten close a few times. My first year I was on the team, we ended up losing in the championship, and we haven't been able to get back there since. Sadly, we've been hovering around third and fourth place every year. So the goal is obviously to get back up, uh, climb that mountain, and win a national championship for uh, the for the team what's usually the age range around these teams like is it usually younger players is there a mix of ages like uh, this is usually a good mix of ages like on on the blues team alone i am the youngest and i'm going to be turning 20 here in four days so i'm the youngest on the team and the oldest we have now i believe is 37 so it's a it's a nice mix of player ages it's kind of nice to hear that you have someone as a mentor on the team or someone that you can look up to and train one-on-one -on -one because it kind of keeps you motivated in a way keeps you going and wanting to go for that national championship absolutely so then transitioning you made the u.s development team yeah i made the uh, u.s development team uh, this past year uh, i had tryouts i've been hovering close to it for the last few years i broke my wrist two years ago so i wasn't able to try out then and uh I was end up bouncing back uh, last year and had a good tryout and ended up making the development team. How did you hear about the opportunity for the U.S. development team? Um, I actually heard it through multiple players on my team. Uh, Josh was one of them. Um, Steve Cash, who's also on the U.S. national team, and then uh, the captain of our team, Jason Malady. Uh, they put me in to go to a uh, development camp that U Team USA puts on every year um, in July. There's players of all age ranges, usually younger kids that they come in and they, they get to practice with the national team, the national team coaches, and that leads up to tryouts. And then uh, usually after 
all that is when they decide on who the team is, obviously. But uh, I really found it out through them. What has been a, a positive about being on the U.S. development team? Uh, the amount of things that you learn. You know, we're, we're the U.S. development team's head coach is a guy by the name of Kip St. Germain. He was on the very first team to win a gold medal for Team USA in the Paralympics for sled hockey. So, you know, we have a lot of great coaches that have been around the sport, not only sled hockey, but hockey in general for years. And uh, you really get the best coaching uh, from those guys. And it's also just a great experience being able to travel the U.S. and the world to uh, get to play against other teams that are of high-level athletes. So going off of the title of this podcast, Rise to the Challenge, what is your next challenge when it comes to the U.S. team? Um, obviously, the goal is to make the, uh, the U.S. national team. You know, development team is great and all, but everyone's goal on that team is to eventually develop quick enough to where you can uh, end up going for that gold medal uh, for the U.S. Uh, U.S. national team in the Paralympics. So I've uh, always been my aspirations. The dream is to make the, uh, make the Paralympics and end up winning the gold medal for my country. Have you ever had the opportunity to train someone uh, in sled hockey, been asked to be a mentor to someone? Or is that hopefully an eventual goal you would like? Um, I'd like to think that I have some type of mentor to somebody. Um, I don't have necessarily a person that I train with right now. Um, I do help out with the youth team practices. So I'm hoping I'm striving in that way to become a mentor for somebody that I can teach them the ropes and how to improve their game and just be a good friend to them and you know, be there for the kids. That's awesome. So now you mentioned that you were homeschooled. Were you homeschooled through high school? Also, I was homeschooled up until my sophomore year of high school. Actually, because of hockey, it made me realize that I want to get out there and become more social and, you know, improve my social skills. And I figured high school would be a fun uh, experience in that. And it was a uh, best one of the best decisions I made was going to uh, going to a public high school. I had a lot of fun. So how was the transition from being homeschooled to going to a public school now? It's probably a little uh, different. Oh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot different going from uh Working out by myself compared to going to a school of over 2,300 kids. So it was uh, the, the first year was a little tough. Um, you know, you don't really know anybody when you're coming in there. So, you know, it's 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 difficult making new friends. Everyone knows. So, uh, you know, it really helped out though that I uh, I ended up helping out with the the football high school football team. I was uh, the manager for three years. So uh, I got really close to a lot of the guys in football. And um, my junior and senior year were they were pretty fun. I got to uh, get to experience a lot of things that I never thought I would be able to. So going into high school, um, were your um, motivations still going for sports broadcasting, or were you kind of seeing a shift in a different direction? Um, it was still towards sports broadcasting. You know, I had a. I've always loved sports, especially hockey, and um, I'm always told that I have a voice for sports now, whether that's true or not. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I've always it's always been something that I enjoyed doing. You know, in my younger years, I would be playing NHL on Xbox, and I'd be doing my own broadcasting over the game. So it's always been something I've been a fan of. But uh, I would say in high school, I was still was still my uh, my main aspiration. Hey, you never know. You could still do both: exercise science, sports broadcasting. You could make YouTube videos on you just broadcasting a game. I mean. NHL is showing all the old games, so it's like worth the practice right now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I have I transitioned to a new school when I was in second grade, um, going from different districts. Uh, 
And it was, like you said, it was hard because you have to learn new names, uh, meet new people. But I've kind of been one of those people where I'm able to open up easily. So talking to people has been easy for me. But that was also at a young age. Now it's like, okay, what do I say? How do I talk to these people? Do you have that personality where you could just go up to anyone and just start talking to them? Oh, yeah, I think I do. I'm uh, I'm usually pretty open about everything. Uh, my younger years, I really wasn't. So, like, that's why transitioning was so difficult because I didn't know how people would react because I was one of the few disabled people at my high school. So, you know, it's just kind of second nature that if you see someone that's a little bit different that you – you just don't know how to necessarily approach them from the outside. So it's it was a little difficult at first, but uh, now I, I think I'm pretty open with everything. I'm not afraid to go up to talk to anybody. Um, you know, it's ain't no thing. So you, the disability kind of it was in the back of your mind saying, kind of like it kind of lowered your confidence a little bit. And now would you say you don't care what people think, that I'm just a normal person. Yes, I have something extra. But you're getting to know the real me, and this is just something part of me. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, like you said. It's I used to be a little self-conscious, but now, like you said, it's if you don't accept me for who I am. I mean, I'm the same as same as you. I just walk a little bit different. You know, it's uh, that's about it. I'm just another another normal guy. Yeah. So that's that's the way you gotta look at it. I'm just a person with a cord coming out of my stomach with a pump. That's all. But I'm just, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm still that fun, loving guy that people get to know. Oh, yeah. So what made you pick Lindenwood? Or did you start somewhere else first or and then transition to Lindenwood? Or how, how did that, how did your college process work? Um, I've always had ties to Lindenwood. Both my sister and my brother went there. So, uh, you know, it's real close to me. It's 15 minutes from my house. Uh, I was actually going back and forth between Lindenwood and Mizzou. I feel like that's how everybody in uh, Missouri High School is. Everyone wants to go to Mizzou. But, uh, you know, I also wanted to stay close because, you know, my hockey team, we practice 15 minutes away now from uh, Lindenwood's campus. If I would have went to Columbia, I would have been, you know, about two hours drive. So, obviously, hockey was in the back of my mind and training for track and all that. So, that had a huge decision in me going to Lindenwood. Do you guys still practice at the Wentzville location, or are you guys at the Maryland Heights location now? Uh, we're still at the Wentzville location for now. And so mm -hmm. driving there is quite a distance. Yeah, say so now uh, I think it's about 25 minutes, depending on how fast you drive from uh, from campus. So it's, it's not too terribly far, but uh, obviously the Maryland Heights one is a lot closer, and hopefully we can start practicing there uh, here soon. Hopefully. That'd be nice. That's a beautiful facility. I mean, oh, it's gorgeous. just seeing the pictures and being there, it's just amazing what they're able to do. Oh, yeah. So you talked about you're going for exercise science. Um, how did you get involved with FIDELT? As I'm a, an alumni, one of the founding fathers of FIDELT of Theta Missouri Iota, how did you get involved in being introduced into FIDELT? Um, it actually started with uh, with uh, Josh Paul, as we mentioned earlier. As he was a... Uh, he was part of that founding class, and Mood, uh, he was one of the, the big guys that was a driving force when I was talking about joining a fraternity. It's always been in the back of my mind about possibly wanting to join a fraternity. It's always seemed like, you know, a fun thing to do, and he was a real big driving force into uh, telling me, hey, you should check these guys out. I was a part of them and stuff like that. And also there is uh, one of the current members who's actually the president of our chapter is uh, Jack Leach. I knew him from the very first day on uh, I was on campus. 
and he uh, he ended up joining a semester before me and really pushed me to to end up seeing it through and joining. And it's been by far one of the best decisions I ever made. Uh, some of my best friends, uh, you know, we consider them brothers. I, they're my they're my second family. That's uh, my non-blood relatives, and I uh, I love all of them. Yeah. Best decision I made. I totally agree. Uh, I still talk to a lot of the people who are founders of the chapter, but even including the people that are actually still in the chapter, I think getting that, building that relationship and even us talking, I get to learn more about you and then find things that we may have had in common. And it kind of just builds that brotherhood basically and i enjoy every single time i can surprise you guys when i come and visit i usually just don't tell anyone i'm coming but that's the best (laughs) part to see everyone's expressions oh you're here i'm like yeah that's what i wanted to see your expression what what's been your favorite experience so far being a part of it ah that's tough we've had a lot of fun times uh i'd have to say i'm a big fan of our annual float trips that we have it's annual float trips and our uh daniel boone retreat they are their chances where all just the brothers go out and we have a really good time we sit and we talk talk about great memories that we've had and you know it really helps us become closer when it's just you and the guys that you call brothers when you're out and uh you just get nothing to do but talk you, you have no cell phone usage nothing like that it's you have to you're forced to sit there and hold the conversation with the guys and you, uh, you really learn a lot about them and, uh, it's a lot of fun. Do you have any goals for being in the chapter, a position you would like to be in an ex- hopefully a future experience you'll want to get out of it? Um, yeah, of course. Uh, right now I'm actually the, uh, the current educator. So I am holding an executive position. Obviously the goal is to, I would like to host or hold an, a higher position, whether it's, you know, vice president, president. I don't know if I necessarily want to go for president, but I feel like vice president would be a lot of fun of uh, a position to really test myself uh, to the most of my capabilities. And, uh, you know, obviously my, my goals is to grow the chapter and make sure it has a good experience and have a very high, um, well, that's what I'm looking for here, reputation on campus. You know, we want to be known as the, the best fraternity on campus, just a great group of guys that, that's there for anybody and is uh, always helpful around. We don't want to be known as just, you know, a group of guys that, you know, just get together and hang out and party. We want to be known as the guys that, you know, are on campus doing things that help out, you know, charity work, philanthropy things, raising money for charities and stuff like that. That's that's really our, our goals and aspirations for the chapter is to grow it as a, uh, you know, as, as a good group of guys that's, that's there for the community. I agree. I was, when our chapter went from colony to chapter, I was actually the first Phi Chi educator. And the one thing with that position is you're basically giving the tools to those new members. Um, I had a group of 10 and they all had great personalities and it was important to make sure that their personalities had a good reflection in the chapter. And you want you don't want to mold someone into what you want them to be. Just have them enjoy the experience. And I think you'll do a great job with being an educator once we all get back to our normal lives and get back to the <laughs> school. Um, oh, yeah. But I will say, being part of the fraternity, I wouldn't have changed anything. I would have done nothing different. Um, 
philanthropy was a huge passion of mine being in the chapter do creating fun events raising money for als and now live like lou um has been the best experience and it, it's a good resume builder um yeah doing everything you can to be a part of the chapter uh helps when you're looking for a company and they'll see that uh on your resume and you're they're like wow you get involved what would you say to someone who's listening to this podcast and they're about to head to college and they're unsure about joining a fraternity? So what advice would you give to them to help maybe pursue, have them pursue into going for it? Okay, you know, yeah. First, I would tell them to, uh, you know, that it's not what it looks like. You know, the movies and TV shows portray fraternities out to be this terrible thing where all they do is haze people and party and drink excessively and do all that things. It's really not how it is at all. Uh, my experience with fraternity life has been fantastic. You know, we do all the fun stuff that, that people see, but a lot of 90% of what we do is just hanging out and, uh, you know, doing stuff for the community around and making ourselves better men also. And another thing I'd say is try it, you know, go out, go out to rush week, see what it's all about. If it isn't for you, obviously that's fine. You don't have to end up signing, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like if you were to try it, you would realize you'd, you'd find a group of guys that you really gel with and that realize this is for you and it's totally worth everything that you, you're going for. It's uh, it really is a great experience. I think a lot of people should uh, should give give it a go and uh, you find that group of guys that you, you really gel with. Definitely go for it. If you if it isn't for you, at least you tried. Um, it's always about trying instead of regretting not doing it. So your passion or your major right now is going for exercise science. Do you have that dream job? I love using that dream job because we all talk about it uh, for exercise science. Oh, yeah. I would love to be a uh, strength and conditioning coach, obviously, for a professional sports team. If I had the choice, it would be, you know, the St. Louis Blues or I'm a, I'm a big Chicago Cubs fan, which I know being in St. Louis is oh. an absolute sin. But, uh, you know, something like that, like to be uh, Dallas Cowboys, obviously one of my, my favorite teams, but I would be willing to take a job anywhere as long as it's being able to, you know, do something that I love and, you know, help kids get stronger and improve in their sport and uh, eventually get to the level that they want to be at in their sport. Do you have any internships or any way that to get to that spot that you want to be at? Uh, I don't currently have any, being that I just changed my major uh, this last semester. Um, I'm going to be looking for, for new internships, being that I'm going to be a junior next year. Um, I'm going to be looking for internships, hopefully. I know I have some, I think I have some ins for some of the bigger organizations. Uh, I know the uh, St. Louis Ambush, uh, the indoor soccer team, as well as STLFC. They have a lot of Lindenwood uh, students that come in and... Uh, as an intern, so I'm hoping to get on with one of them and you know learn the ropes of how to uh, to be a good strength and conditioning coach and improve my improve my skill. Definitely, I would always say just try to go for as many opportunities as possible. Just don't overwhelm yourself, um, because you want to rise to that challenge and get to where you want to be, but you don't want to put so much strain on yourself. Um, yeah. I think if you overdo it, it will affect other parts of your lives and you definitely don't want that. You, you're in a time right now where you're just going to enjoy everything. You don't want to fall down a hill in a way. Oh yeah. 
Absolutely. So what do you do with your free time? Um, since we're all going through the pandemic right now, what do you like to do? Or when you're not going through the pandemic, what do you like to do for fun? Well, obviously, uh, working out, you know, trying to improve my craft uh, in my sport. Um, you know, you gotta, even though we're in the off season, you know, you gotta, you gotta end up putting the work and grinding out to, uh, improve your strength and stuff like that. And also, uh, you know, as most, most kids my age, I'm playing some Xbox, you know, like that, trying to kill the time that way. Um, hanging out with the fam, you know, like you said, because of this, uh, this pandemic, we're not able to do too much stuff outside of our homes. So it's, uh. Just out here trying to trying to find stuff to keep you busy at this point. What's your go-to Xbox game? Ah, that's tough. I'm a big fan of uh, NHL, uh, Madden, sports games. I'm a big sports fan, so a big sports uh, sports game guy. So Madden and NHL, two K, two K. I'm like, I can't. You know, you know, everyone talks about is Fortnite, Warzone. It's like. I forget what other games came out. I think I was talking to Josh about games and we were just finding free games that we can find. And he talked about destiny and I'm like, okay, I've heard about <laughs> it. Just don't remember playing it. But then he said, Oh, it's kind of like halo. I'm like, Oh, okay. I used to play halo, but oh yeah, let's just say I wasn't good at it. But <laughs> that's my next rise to the challenge is getting better at video games. I mean, okay, okay. You take a Nintendo game. I'm probably good at it. <laughs> oh, Nintendo, that's a throwback. I mean, I used to play Mario games, and I would spend hours, because I'm like, I have to beat this game before I do anything else. And usually my family is like, uh, you need to stop playing this. So I'm like, okay. So, <laughs> but now, as an adult, you, you, you're allowed to have fun, and now it's the perfect time to play those games. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So... Thinking about the whole conversation we just had, um, now where you're at in your life, has those motivations, inspirations changed? As you are younger, you have this set mindset, and over time, things change in your life or think ideas. Is it still the same? Like, do you still look up to David Backus? Um, I don't even know if he's playing right now. That's probably bad if I'm saying that, but... <laughs> There's probably a new athlete out there that inspires you, but have what have those changes been like, if there is any? Oh, yeah, I definitely have had uh, have some changes. Uh, obviously, David Backus is still a guy that I look up to. Nowhere near as much now. Um, a lot of it now is looking at guys in my own sport. You know, guys like Josh and that. Like, obviously, you look up to to the point where you want to get to their, their level, and those are the guys that have really helped me get to that level. So those are. Some of the new guys that inspire me to get out and do the work that I need to do. Um, obviously, my family is still a big part in, in motivating me to get to that, that next level that I need to be at. And uh, as for goals, um, I'm one of those people that I believe that you should always have set goals, set lower goals, but have a main goal that you really want to do. And as in for me, my main goal is making the U.S. national team. But you have to have a bunch of minor uh step goals to get up to that step. So obviously first it was make the adult travel team and then it was make the U.S. development team and now it's get to the point where I'm one of the top players on the U.S. development team so that I can make the rise to the national team and then it's end goals to get that Paralympic gold. Uh, so that's, uh, that's the, the main thing you got to do is try to try to get to your main goal but make sure you have a, a group of set minor goals that help you get to that main goal. So that leads into my next uh question so for someone who's listening to this podcast 
how do, how can they rise to their challenge? What tips or motivations would you give them? Uh, I would say, like I just mentioned, uh, one of them is to obviously have your big major goal that you want to have in life, right? Uh, something that you really want to strive for. And I would say go all in on it. Um, if it's really something you want to do, just you, you gotta you gotta go for it. Uh, have a bunch of minor goals that you have to where when you accomplish those goals, you get that thought in your head of, hey, I'm really doing this. And that to me, that motivates me more to keep going towards that main goal is when you when you hit a milestone or a goal, it really helps you realize that you're getting close to this major goal and going for it. And obviously, it's, have confidence in yourself. Um, that's a big thing you need to have. If you, you're one of those people that you say, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, you can do anything. It's the attitude of I, I can't do which will lead you to where you won't be able to accomplish it. If you have that can-do attitude, you will find a way to get to that major goal at the end. You will get to that light at the end of the tunnel. Would you say social media plays an effect in people's confidence level or their um, decision to go for a goal? Oh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, obviously, you have people on social media who will will try to hate on you, bring you down, say you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, but obviously, you have to, you know, don't not notice those people and what they say. For me, if I see someone that says, oh, I can't do this, I take those words and I turn it into motivation because I want to prove them wrong that I can do this and I can do that and I want to rub it in your face when I get there. And obviously, respectfully, you don't want to, you know, <laughs> do it rudely, but, yeah, you know, prove to them that you can do it and also listen to the people because you always are going to have those friends of people that will believe in you and everything and they'll be there step by step, side by your side the entire way there. Um, obviously, keep those people close because they – you ever feeling down reach out to them you know they're whether it's over social media you call them or something like that because uh I mean, there are people that are out there that really want to help you and want to see you succeed in life definitely you've given definitely the listeners great tips and motivations and i appreciate your time uh to do this interview um your story has been amazing to listen to and hopefully we'll be able to talk in the future absolutely thank you for having me on you're welcome thank you